Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Good morning, everybody. It's Tuesday, January 16th, 526 a.m. Central Time. Grain markets are mixed this morning. March corn futures down two and a quarter at 444 and three quarters. March soybeans up seven and a half at 1231 and three quarters. March Chicago wheat down a quarter at 595 and three quarters. March Kansas City wheat up two and a quarter at 617 and a half. March spring wheat unchanged at 699 and a half. We had a USDA report on Friday and it was pretty ugly. Definitely. So USDA increased its estimate of the 2023 U.S. corn and soybean crops on Friday. The government pegged 2023 U.S. corn production at a record 15.342 billion bushels on a record yield of 177.3 bushels per acre. The production estimate increased by 108 million bushels compared to the previous month. The estimate for harvested corn acreage declined by 600,000. The 2023 U.S. soybean crop was pegged at 4.165 billion bushels on an increased national yield of 50.6 bushels per acre. The increases were seen as a surprise. Grain and oil seed futures fell sharply following the release. I understand that many of you are upset about this report, and rightfully so. It sent prices into fresh lows. It's ugly stuff. Uh, let's get into some of the numbers here. So that's a record national corn yield, 177.3. And that's something that is difficult for a lot of people to fathom, given the drought that we had last year. There there was and, and still is a drought in the United States in the Corn Belt. When you look at the state-by-state -state stuff, so in corn, you had national record, or I'm sorry, state record yields in Indiana, Ohio, and South Carolina, I believe, oh, also Utah uh, with a record corn yield. Uh, the states that were off versus last year, Minnesota was off, Wisconsin was off, Illinois was off, Missouri was off, but a lot of those surrounding states were up sharply versus the prior year. So USDA says we ended up with a record average uh, national corn yield. When you go to soybeans, you had records in even more places, uh, record state yields in Indiana, Ohio, Tennessee, Arkansas, Mississippi, and South Carolina. So big crops. This was uh, one of the surprises on Friday. There were some other surprises as well. When you look at the ending stocks numbers, the, the corn number did not change a whole lot. So we went from 2.131 up to 2.162, and that's the carryout projection. That's what's expected to be left over in the United States at the end of August. Uh, that number could have been a lot worse. Uh, USDA kind of cushioned the blow with a lower acreage number for 2023 and also some increased demand numbers. The reason that this was seen as being so bearish, that the carryout projection didn't change a ton. It's just that, okay, we got our demand creases, which we desperately needed yet they didn't help our situation at all on paper because of this increased crop. So that's that's really the bearish thing. Soybeans is a little bit different. We saw the crop increase without any real increases to demand. They cut soybean acreage as well, but uh, you didn't see the increase to crush or exports. So with soybeans, you're just kind of left um, hanging here. I don't have a whole lot to say about wheat. The world situation is super interesting. Here's one thing that you guys may have not caught. I didn't catch it right off the bat. USDA increased its estimate of the Chinese corn crop by 11.8 million metric tons. That's 465 million bushels. USDA took China's crop up 465 million bushels. They only went up 108 on the United States. So as it relates to the global balance sheets, uh, that increase for China was much more substantial than uh, the increase that we saw for the United States. So as I had had thought, um, the 
the surprises did not come from like the South American numbers, which were really kind of uh, boring and ordinary. The surprise came from uh, the U.S. production numbers for last year. And then also this China thing, which kind of came out of nowhere. And these are just these reports are frustrating because these yield changes, these acreage changes, the stuff for China. This is just these are just things that could not have been predicted. You just can't predict it. You can't analyze it. We can analyze demand with pace analysis. We can do all that sort of stuff. But the, the items that really caught us off guard were just things that could not be predicted. So the markets fell apart. Uh, soybeans posted fresh lows, lowest trade for the March soybean contract since uh, June of last year. We did close off of the lows on Friday. If you want something to be optimistic about 1203 was the low in March futures. We're in the 1220s or 1230s here early this morning. Corn futures, uh, life of contract low for March corn futures down to 441 and we're just slightly above that this morning so ugly ugly stuff guys uh drop your usda hate mail in the U in the uh, youtube comments here this morning uh u.s winter wheat seedings were below expectations all winter wheat seedings were pegged at 34.4 million compared to the average pre-report guess of 35.8 million hrw seedings were below trade expectations at 24 million SRW seedings were also below expectations at 6.86 million. The U.S. wheat acreage numbers were one of the few friendly items in uh, Friday's report. Yeah, they were. The, the, so everything was below expectations all winter, HRW, SRW. It didn't seem to matter, though. The wheat market kind of just followed the row crop markets on that big collapse, as it typically does. So, I mean, maybe some friendly stuff, bigger picture. But as as it relates to current price action, no, not so much. Large money managers increased their net short position in the corn market last week. During the week ending January 9th, the funds were net sellers of 36,000 contracts of corn. The net short of 237,000 contracts is the largest since mid-2020. Funds were net sellers of 24,000 contracts of soybeans. Funds were net buyers of 2,000 contracts of SRW wheat on the week. Net short across the board, no love for the grain markets among large money managers. And these positions are are likely larger in real time. When you look at the uh, net short in the corn market that is held by large money managers, it's uh, pretty rare that we get to this sort of level, 237. That's, that's a level uh, that you've seen only a handful of times in the uh, modern era of grain trading. So the funds uh, very firmly uh, short the market. They very... Uh, they're bearish. They hold a bearish bias. There are funds always who are long, but the majority are short and uh, by a pretty wide stretch here. So uh, no, no enthusiasm for the long side of the grain markets here. So if you guys have not already checked out our premium content, you need to do so. Joe, can you tell me why uh, report day is such an important, important day to be a premium subscriber? Report day is a good day to be a subscriber. So I had the headline items, you know, USDA raises corn and soybean yields. I think that was out within 60 seconds of the release. And then within about 25 minutes, I have my snapshot video. This is like a three minute video where I tell you what you need to know. Nothing more, nothing less. Um, that's a good deal. And, and today, in today's video, I'm going to do a balance sheet rundown. We're going to look at stocks to use ratios. We're going to look at uh, what could possibly change moving forward here with these balance sheets. How can we fix this situation that we're in? If you want to see the premium stuff, uh, go to standardgrain.com. Sign up this morning. This is a $50 per month subscription. You can cancel at any time. No other fee, no other obligation. Nobody will try to sell you anything else. Uh, just a ton of info direct from us every single business day, guys. All the premium videos, our email includes all of our grain marketing recommendations, everything we've advised for uh, two marketing years worth of corn, soybeans, and wheat broken down by crop, crop year, and percentage. Uh, check that deal out this morning, guys. Sign up. I'll shoot you over a copy of uh, this morning's email.
Brazilian soybean crop estimates continue to be reduced. According to well-followed private group Ag Rural, Brazilia's, Brazilia, excuse me, Brazil's soybean crop is expected to reach 150.1 million tons. The estimate is down from the group's December projection of 159.1 million tons. The reduction is due to high temperatures and a lack of rainfall. The group also reported that as of last Thursday, 2.3% of the soybean crop had been harvested, up from 0.6% last year. In the south-central region of Brazil, 5.1% of Brazil's first corn crop has been harvested, up from 4.5% last year. Uh, this group, Ag Rural, they had gone a while without adjusting their estimate, so they kind of went down to where most of the other private groups are at, low 150s. Um, that being said, the, the early yields or the early harvest reports out of Brazil, those are going to be the worst. As we go on, they'll get better. We've we've kind of shifted toward a wetter pattern in Brazil, and that's going to continue to be the case. A little bit drier here for the next five days, but then your five to 10-day period really opens up, and your GFS uh, extended out to February 1st is very wet. So the forecast is neutral to bearish. I would argue that the question now is, is how much damage was done as a result of drought early on that's going to be the question um you know once we get into harvest or, or there are already harvesting crops in some areas but what's what degree of damage was done uh, as a result of that early dryness in october and november specifically Last week, container shipping rates for major global trade routes spiked due to unrest in the Red Sea. The surge was caused by U.S. and British airstrikes on Yemen in retaliation for Houthi attacks on Red Sea shipping. The U.S. and U.K. have urged ships to avoid the conflict area. Major shipping companies are expecting rates to stay high for at least the next two months. On the most affected routes, shipping rates are twice as high as they were a month ago. However, they are still below the record highs that we saw back during the pandemic. This whole deal is sounding more inflationary to me by the day. Uh, one analyst that was quoted in this Reuters piece said this, the price of a vast range of goods threatens to march upwards again. Uh, the costs involved rerouting a ship around Africa adds roughly 10 days and $1 million in fuel costs for each one-way voyage between Asia and Europe. So I know that some people believe that inflation is not over. And we'll get to that here in a second. We have some PPI stuff, but uh, this is something that could absolutely result in like a reinflation event. You got to remember what was the biggest, there were like a few things that resulted in the post COVID inflation. One of them was money printing, but supply chain issues may have been even the bigger thing. And this could mirror that uh, to some extent if it continues. So it, it's not a good deal. And for the moment, it's actually depressed grain prices because we can't move what we'd like to move, uh, especially out of the Panama Canal more so than um, this Red Sea disruption, but all of it is is very bad. More than 80 countries and international organizations attended a meeting in Davos on Sunday focused on Ukraine's peace plan. Ukraine was hoping that the meeting would create support for its 10-point peace blueprint. The main goal of the plan is the full withdrawal of Russian troops. Sunday's meeting ended with no clear path forward and no future meetings scheduled. Ukraine will continue to rally support for its fight against Russia at the World Economic Forum in Davos this week. I said on Friday that the World Economic Forum was everybody's favorite group, and I think people thought I was I was joking. Yes, <laughs> I was joking. I get it. Um, so I, if there is a, a peace deal, I would venture to say that that's a neutral event for the marketplace as it relates to grains, maybe even bearish if they were to begin shipping grain out of Ukraine at, an, at, a, at a more rapid pace. 
I just, I don't know that it means a whole lot. I think the way you get a, a friendly reaction would be an escalation in the war. doesn't appear as if we're headed that way right now. The December PPI fell 0.1% compared to the previous month, notching a third straight month of declines. Because of the decline in wholesale prices, there is still potential for the Fed to cut interest rates in March. The cost of goods last month fell by 0.4%. Half of that decline came from a 12.4% decline in the cost of diesel fuel. Annually, the December PPI increased 1% last month, up from 0.8% in November. Based on wholesale prices declining, inflation is expected to continue to trend downward this year. Yeah, the trend has been lower, although we've kind of leveled off, I guess, bigger picture since like that peak, you know, middle of 2022, we've absolutely trended lower. CME Fed tool this morning says that there is a 71% chance of a March rate cut. So we're still looking for that, that rate cut in March. Um, how many cuts do they do this year? If they cut at all, uh, we don't really know that. What did cattle do on Friday? Uh, they were up on the week. Feeder cattle futures gained an average of $3.25. Live cattle futures were an average of $0.61 cents higher last week, week over week as of Friday. Cash cattle trade was light last week, of course, because of the brutal winter weather. In the Southern Plains, cattle traded at $172, which was a buck lower from the previous week. Up here in Nebraska, cattle traded at $173. That was $2 lower than the previous week. And in the Western Corn Belt, cattle were steady week over week at $175. Box beef prices posted significant gains last week. Choice box beef gained $12.10 week over week as of Friday to close at 289.26. Select box beef gained 1232 on the week, closing at 271.85. Outside markets to start the week, guys. US dollar is higher to sharply higher. Stocks are off. The S&P is down 24. The Dow's down 160. Bonds are lower. Crude oil is up 28 cents in the February WTI at 72.96. Have a great week, guys. We'll talk to you on Wednesday.